it's it's amazing how fast things can change. Just a week ago, we were talking about how the Grizzlies were amidst one of their biggest struggle stretches of the season, and now four in a row in some really good trends of elite basketball after a dominant win against the Charlotte Hornets. We're going to break it down right here. That's Steven Adams, John Morant, and the whole game coming up right here, right now on Locked on Grizzlies. You are Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host, your solo host for today, DeMichael Cole, beat writer at the Commercial Appeal here in Memphis, Tennessee. want to thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies one of your first listens each and every day. Make sure you continue to like, comment, subscribe, and listen to us wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. You like Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all of the above, wherever you like to listen even YouTube if you want to watch. Locked on Grizzlies is available. Well, the Grizzlies were available last night on the first night of a back-to-back, and usually when you play a back-to-back, there's one result that stands out above the rest that, that you know, you, you hope for, but it's, it doesn't happen too often. You want to blow out the opponent and allow your starters you know, to not have too much wear and tear before that second game so you can kind of go into that game at least a little bit fresh. You know, it's still going to be the second night of a back-to-back, but at least a little more legs than normal. And the Grizzlies were able to do that against the Charlotte Hornets, 131-107 to a win. So you get the best of both worlds. You get a dominant win, a convincing win. And then if you go by the starter minutes here, Dylan Brooks, a hair over 25 minutes. Jaron Jackson Jr. at 24 minutes. Steven Adams at 27. Uh, Desmond Bain at 26. John Morant, 26 minutes, 40 seconds. All your starters were below, not only just below 30 minutes, but below 28 minutes. So a solid sign for the Grizzlies that they were able to keep all the guys pretty much, you know, uh, at a reasonable minutes number going into the second night of a back-to-back. And not only that, Grizzlies won on the road. Grizzlies entered that game against the Hornets 8-10 and 10 on the road. And there are, there are a lot of things that we can talk about from that game. Of course, there is a game tonight, so we're going to preview that game as well. But before we get to that, you know, I think there were some not- notable rotation changes that we should talk about coming from this game. You know, um, I talked to the players before they headed out to Charlotte, talked to John Conchar, Tyus Jones, a couple other guys. Uh, we can also add some of that in this episode as well. But the first thing we got to talk about, stands out above everything else, is the defense. Talked about during the first three games of this win streak how the defense has kind of led the charge, right? That didn't change. That didn't change on yesterday. Uh, check this out. Charlotte Hornets shot 40.4% from the field and 11 of 38, which is 29% on three-pointers. Not only that, the Grizzlies were able to get 10 steals. They also got eight blocks. What's the key right now to, to this defensive, you know, I guess you can say they're peaking 
you know, in a way. Uh, maybe not necessarily in the terms of this is the best the Grizzlies will play, you know, throughout the entire season, but this is the peak of the Grizzlies defense to what we've seen to this point. Uh, they've jumped all the way up near the top of the NBA in defensive rating. And I remember earlier this season, we were uh, a few games into the season, we were wondering, all right, is, this, is the defense all right? You know, they were in the, the, the bottom 20s. I believe they were 27, 28 in defensive rating in the NBA. And there was a small sample size there. So it all starts with two players. And you you know the two players, but but I'm going to say the names anyway because we got to break this down, right? It's locked on Grizzlies. Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks. This is kind of like we talk about, in a way, on the offensive end, right? We talk about how John Morant and Desmond Bain are like your perfect backcourt parent where you have one guy – who is one of the NBA's top paint scorers in the game. And then you have another guy who's one of the top shooters. It's just hard to kind of stop both of their games at one time when they're in groups. On the defensive end, you can kind of make the same argument for Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks as being one of the top, you know, just that perfect combination in terms of defensive duos. And it's kind of hard to score on both of them because with Dylan Brooks, on most nights, you have a guy who's going to guard the top wing score. It's going to give him a tough time. Then you have Jaron Jackson Jr., who's going to protect the paint, who's also very versatile, who can go out and guard guards on the perimeter and hold his own. And then, you know, when they try to drive the basketball, he'll block it from behind. Or when they try to shoot over him, he uses his long wingspan and they can barely see the rim. So you, you have the best of both worlds with these defenders. Because, look, at the end of the day, Dylan Brooks isn't going to give you a lot of blocks. Dylan Brooks isn't going to give you that many steals, but he's going to give you tremendous hustle, grit, toughness. He's going to stay in front of his man, and his man is going to struggle to shoot the ball against him more times than not. And then with Jaron Jackson Jr., you, you, you're you going to get a lot of blocks. You're going to get some steals. You're going to get more deflections. He's a big reason why this team, the Grizzlies were outside of the top 10 in the NBA in steals and blocks when Jaron Jackson Jr. returned. They're in the top 10 in both now. Just a complete game changer, game wrecker. But both of those guys are big reasons why the defensive activity on the Grizzlies as a whole has kind of changed. We talked about all the matchups that Dylan Brooks has gotten during this four-game stretch, right? Pascal Siakam to start it off. Then Zion Williamson. Then he guarded De'Aaron Fox. In this game, it was LaMelo Ball. LaMelo is a, you know, terrific passer. He's a guy, quite frankly, I love watching this guy play. I think, you know, just the, the sky is the limit for him. But he had 23 points and 12 assists in this game. That sounds good. But then you remember LaMelo Ball shot 7 of 23 from the field. Why did he shoot 7 of 23 from the field? Well, it's, it's pretty simple. Dylan Brooks was his primary assignment. When that's your primary defender, it's there's going to be a lot of nights like that. And there have been a lot of nights like that for some of the best NBA scorers in the game. So uh, that's a kudos to the defense that Dylan Brooks is playing, you know, on the ball. And then you have Jaron Jackson Jr., who's going to be there to protect the rim. In this game, three blocks for Jaron uh, as well. And then there's, there's another guy I want to shout out as well, and that's Steven Adams, what he's doing defensively. Steven Adams with another game. Uh, check this out. He had, he had a block. He had a steal. And, I mean, no, he's, he had two blocks. It's two blocks in this game for, for Steven Adams. And that's another game with multiple blocks for him. And this guy, you know, for his career, he's never averaged more than one block 
per game. But he's really been protecting the rim uh, a lot to the point lately where the Grizzlies are allowed to have Jaron Jackson Jr. take way more risk and, and just be more, you know, I guess you could say of a freelancer defensively because in, in the reality of the sense, if Jaron Jackson Jr. is protecting the rim, you want him protecting the rim and you don't want him, you know, vacating that area because once that area is vacated, teams are probably going to get an easy two points. Not on this team. Jaron Jackson Jr. can go defend on the perimeter. If he gets beat off the dribble, more, more times than not, he's going to recover. But if he does get beat and he's unable to recover, well, guess what? You got to beat the seven foot, you know, 265 plus pound, you know, Steven Adams at the rim now and score through him. And Steven Adams has done a great job of kind of, you know, stabilizing things there when Jaron Jackson Jr. is in the game, when Jaron Jackson Jr. is out of the game. And quite frankly, when they're playing together, it just gives the defense more versatility uh, to move their pieces around however they may. But the defense is peaking right now. You know, the defense is playing some of its best basketball of the season. And quite frankly, uh, they're just they're taking they're taking their opponents lunch right now. You know, you you come to play the Grizzlies, you you know it's going to be a long night for your best scorer. And we've seen that night after night. We saw Pascal Siakam, he struggled. Zion Williams struggled. De'Aaron Fox one of the best clutch players in the NBA uh, this season in that fourth quarter. He, he didn't give you much against the, the Grizzlies. And then now LaMelo Ball, who continued his streak of, I think he's at 12 consecutive games or so, of 20 or more points. But it he, he came at a cost. 23 shots to get 23 points. Uh, that's the Dylan Brooks effect. That's the Grizzlies effect. And that's the overall team effect. But you know what effect I like to have on me? That's, that's built bar. Uh, when, you, when you're thinking about lunch and, you know, I talked about how the Grizzlies defense is eating right now. You know what I like to eat? I like to eat Built Bar. Well, here's the thing. Uh, if you need a delicious treat and you don't want all the, the, the fat and the calories, but you still want something delicious, right? We're not talking about all that, that super healthy food that, that just tastes, you know, like a piece of paper or something. I'm talking about Built Bar because at the end of the day, you got to try Built Bar if you want a nice, delicious treat, but you don't want you know, to gain a lot of fat and a lot of calories and things like that. But that's what makes Built Bar so good. But what really makes it good is, for starters, it's 100% covered in real chocolate. And it comes in so many unbelievably good flavors. I'm talking about peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, churro, however you like it, Built Bar has it for you. And look, I'm not sure how Built Bar does it because they taste like candy bars. Quite frankly, they taste like candy bars. But the best part about Built Bar is it's healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. So, look, how, how do you get Built Bar, right? Uh, you don't got to walk around for a box of Built Bar. It's very easy to get. You can go over to Built.com right now. But if you, you're not one of those online people and, and you're old school, guess what? You can go to your local Walmart. If you got a Sam's, your Sam's Club member, you can go to your local Sam's. And Built Bar is available there as well. Head to your nearest Walmart today and walk walk to the pharmacy section and just grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box, you know, of cookies and cream, double chocolate, the coconut puffs, who I'm very fond of as well. And you can do the same thing at Sam's Club and you can grab and just grab you an even bigger option. So remember, Built Bar is... Now, not only available on Built.com, you can go to your nearest Sam Club and your nearest Walmart 
to check out Built Bar as well. Checking out the Grizzlies in, in the rotation uh, right now, and there were some notable changes in this recent game. And nothing, nothing too, you know, while I think we'll see this continue to change over the course of the season. And, and Taylor Jenkins is has a thing for, you know, filling out lineups and filling out, okay, who plays well together and whatnot. But let's not bury the point here. Uh, John Conchar and David Roddy both got minutes over Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams, who was back active after missing the past two games due to right knee soreness, was active but did not play until in the fourth quarter when the game result was pretty much decided. The Grizzlies were up over 30 points, I believe, at that point. Zaire Williams checked into the game, uh, made a three-pointer, and you know made a few impactful plays overall. But, again, the game result was decided, so he's playing against uh, Charlotte's backups as well. But the point here is about John Conchar and, and David Wright. So I want to start with Conchar because he's someone who I recently had a good conversation with. And, you know, I asked him. He, he came through that stretch. I remember uh, tweeting it out in that Golden State game where uh, we were talking about a two, three-game stretch where John Conchar hadn't scored more than three points. And that really did not change until the Grizzlies, I mean, the Raptors game. The Raptors game when the Grizzlies made the three-pointers. I think they made 13 three-pointers the first game. They made, you know, over 10 three-pointers during that whole uh, losing stretch they had there. And John Conchar was a big breakout, you know, candidate during that part. So I asked him, I said, what's, was there an adjustment for him? Is there something different? And he basically, you know, just talked about how, you know, the difference between going to the starting lineup, going to the bench row, adjusting. It's not really adjustment, he said, in terms of the guys you're playing with, because you're pretty much playing with the same players and if you watch the Grizzlies really closely, that's kind of how they do. They don't bring in the five, you know, guys off the bench together. They mix and match them. You know, two guys will go in with, you know, Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, Jaron Jackson. I mean, Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. And a couple guys will go in as well with with John Morant, you know, Stephen Adams and Dylan Brooks. They, they mix and match the groupings, the parents. So John Conchar talked about how it's not really a difference there. More so just, you know, the minutes change, you know, the – the when he comes in the games, things like that. So I think he made some good points overall. But John Contra in this game only took one shot. Only took one shot overall, finished with two points. But that's not the point I want to make here because John Char did say as well while he's ta- while talking to him, because we talked about it at the beginning of the season. I know Joe, Joe is a little bit more animated than me when it comes to the amount of shots that John Contra takes. But John Contra said, yeah. He feels like, you know, he's pretty much doubled his shooting output, which is accurate. And he still wants to shoot more. So he's aware of that. I just want everyone to know John Conchar does believe that he needs to shoot the basketball more. So we'll see what that, you know, turns into. And But simply in the simplest form of it, if you look at the shots that John Conchar takes, most of his shots are clean, wide open looks. He has one of the highest percentages in the NBA of shots that are basically wide open where a defender is not within arm's reach. So the good part about that is he's shooting the ball when he gets super open looks. But the other side of that is if you want to see a more aggressive side of him, you want him to take the ball off the dribble or, you know, um, 
create a little bit of space on its own, which we've seen Desmond Bain, you know, evolve at more than more than probably anyone on this team, you know, to this point. And speaking of Desmond Bain, I do want to point out his impact on this game as well. 19 points and 10 rebounds for Desmond Bain. I think that's the first. It is the first career double-double for Desmond Bain up to this point of his career. But it's not only that. He made a couple three-pointers as well. And you can see he's, he's, he's getting closer. 8 of 16 shooting from the field. And this came after missing, you know, I think two or three shots at the rim that are very, very, you know, makeable shots. He's taking good shots. He's showing some of that burst when he takes, puts his foot in the ground, goes off the dribble and gets to the basket. Some of that burst is there. But I think Desmond Bain is still, still rounding into form. You know, again, foot injury, these things are a little bit different. He's still rounding into form uh, there as well. Isaiah Williams is also still rounding into form, as I said earlier. And if John John Conchar wasn't a huge surprise, you know, being in front of Zaire Williams in this past game, remember Zaire Williams had just passed uh, John Conchar in a rotation right before, you know, getting his right knee uh, soreness and missing two games. So John Conchar surpassed him, but David Roddy also got minutes where Zaire Williams would play. And David Roddy was impactful uh, in this game. Definitely got to point that out as well. I thought he had some really, really big minutes. And quite frankly, I mean, you got nine points from David Brody and three or four shooting, three or four at the free throw line, and he was aggressive. He was aggressive to the point of he was plus seven in 19 minutes. And here's the thing about David Brody. David Brody in college, this is why you got to give him some time. I mean, you got to give all the rookies some time, but – because of the adjustment, but there's a, a certain adjustment for each guy on why they need times. Cause it's not simple as every guy's learning the NBA playbook and, and making that adjustment to the game speed. It's not always that simple. David Roddy in particular, this is a guy who at Colorado state did a lot of his damage inside of the paint, did a lot of his damage as, you know, a small ball five or power four and kind of, you know, putting his back to the basket and putting his chest I mean, putting his shoulder into the chest of opponents and and getting easy shots around the rim. You can't think of too many times you've seen David Roddy uh, play like that with the Grizzlies. You're seeing him on the perimeter more, seeing him take a lot of three-pointers and things like that. But I'm sensing the comfort. A, a big sign of the comfort is when a guy can take the ball, you know, off the dribble because, you know, he, he's a rookie, right? He doesn't want to make a mistake. When he gets that ball to shoot the three-pointer, he's going to let it go. But we saw that a lot with Zaire Williams as well. But you know what? There were two plays in a row in yesterday's game. Dave Roddy got the basketball, took it off the dribble, went into a guy's chest, and made a layup twice. And this is something I, you know, I kind of talked to him about. Uh, you know, and he, he he wants to do that. He wants to use his size and and you know, make the right plays and things like that. Now, there was a, a, a situation a couple games ago where he had a back-to-the-basket situation, and he was backing the guy down, turned around, made an easy layup. And I asked him after that game, I said, hey, are we – is that is that a sign of things to come? Are we going to see more back-to-the-basket, David Roddy? And he said, no, that just was, you know, situational. So I would say don't expect, you know, David Roddy to turn into, you know, the back-to-the-back Colorado State guy because I alluded to it when I saw it. I said, that's – that's Colorado State 
A-Rod. That's what made him a first-round pick. But what also made him a first-round pick is his versatility. That was something that the Grizzlies, since draft night when Zach Kleiman spoke to the media, uh, kind of, you know, complimented David Roddy on his versatility. And we're seeing that, right? He's guarding guards. He's guarding forwards. He's guarding, you know, um, you know, guys who can play center as well. So David Roddy's been put in a lot of situations so far. And we'll see how this matchup kind of, you know, develops over the course of time. Does David Roddy continue to get the minutes in front of Zaire Weeks? Or was this more of a case of, hey, you know, Zaire Weeks is returning from the right knee soreness. We've seen him, you know, this was something that kept him out at the beginning of the season when he had the patellar tendonitis in his right knee. So was it more of just the Grizzlies being careful? We'll find out on the second night of a back-to-back here against the Orlando Magic. It's beginning of this game against the Orlando Magic. That's what we're going to talk about next. The Grizzlies on the second night of a back-to-back and a chance to move to 500 on the road. Talk about that coming up after the break. But before we get to that, we have to discuss LinkedIn. See, LinkedIn, LinkedIn has helped me get some opportunities. LinkedIn is a big, big network opportunity for the people out there in the job market because LinkedIn is where you go. You you post your jobs for free and, you know, you get the applicants that you need for free depending on the side of the margin you are on LinkedIn. If you're looking for, for people who are applying for jobs and things like that, LinkedIn is also the place to be. And that's why, you know, with LinkedIn, I, I talk about LinkedIn a lot because I remember when I created my LinkedIn profile. I created my LinkedIn profile, made a nice little fancy page, and put all my resume building stuff on there. And it really helped me out to getting some of the jobs that I've got now. But there's a different way you can look at it as well. Because if you're a small business owner or you're a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023, it all depends on team members that you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. Because with LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. And remember, I said I'm when I made my LinkedIn profile, I had to put my skills on there, I had to put my values, and I had to put my experience. So all you have to do as the hiring manager, you go check those things out and you see what what qualified candidates meet the standards that you're looking for. And then you can also go beyond the resume data, right, by using the insights from your job post, the company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn jobs make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small business rate links rates LinkedIn jobs as the number one option in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So look, all you have to do is simple as this. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to. All you have to do is post your job for free on LinkedIn. That's L-I-N-K-E-D nin.com slash locked on NBA. All you have to do, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. Terms and conditions do apply. I want to thank you again for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies. And remember, make sure you continue to make Locked on Grizzlies one of your first listens each and every day. We appreciate you tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies. And lastly, here, wrapping up our last point, we'll talk about this upcoming game against the Orlando Magic because you see the Orlando Magic just on paper, right? And 
they don't they don't have any standout categories. This isn't a great shooting team. You know, they're a decent rebounding team, but it's nothing that could scare the Grizzlies, who are right now second in team rebounding and also one of the top offensive rebounding team in the NBA. Uh, they aren't, you know, the scariest teams when it comes to protecting the rim. They aren't, you know, this super fast team in transition. They're 14 and 24, right? But let me tell you something. Don't get the magic on the road confused with the magic at home. The Orlando Magic at home right now, they are 14 and 24 overall. The Magic are 10 and 11 at home. That's right on par with the Grizzlies road record of 9 and 10. So I think it's important to point out that this is a young team, and with a lot of young teams, you see the difference when they're playing at home and the difference when they're playing on road. And I'm going to point out just some, some statistical things that we've noticed here. There's not a big difference, you know, when it comes to their three-point attempts. They still shoot right around the same amount of three-point attempts per night when they're at home and when they're on the road. So that's, that's not the difference. That's not where the difference comes in when we're talking about this team. But – they make more field goals. They're making 41 shots out of, you know, 85 attempts, whereas it's 38 shots out of 85 attempts when they're on the road. They're passing the ball better, averaging 24 assists at home compared to 20 assists on the road. More than anything, 114 points per game at home, 105 on the road. So 105.7 on the road, 113.8 points per game at home this isn't a team to overlook uh i think second night of back-to-back and the magic are also on the second night of a back-to-back but they should begin franz wagner one of their top scorers a uh, second leading scorer back in this game as well and that that should be a bonus to them and Jalen suggs is also questionable i've been missing a lot of time but he helps uh strengthen that point guard position and, and i think with the magic it all comes down to this the first thing the first question that we want to ask here is, which assignment does Dylan Brooks get? I've mentioned it during his four-game winning streak. He has kind of wiped out, you know, the leading scoring options of these previous four opponents. So who does Dylan Brooks get? Because the thing about the Magic is it's a pretty balanced roster overall, but two guys are above the pack when it comes to offensive production, uh, Paolo Banquero and Franz Wagner. See, with Paulo, you get a guy who is averaging 21 points, which is your lead scorer, but a little bit less efficient. You know, he averages 6.7 boards, but he shoots 43.6% from the field. Franz Wagner, he's a, you know, second-year guy, averages 19.9, basically 20 points per game, and he gives you 48% shooting instead of the 43.5% that we're talking about with Paulo. And, you know, he shoots better from three-point range as well. But only, you know, 3.5 assists for him, four assists for Paulo. So they both have the playmaking ability there. But which guy gets who, who which guy does DB get? Paulo is a guy who's playing more minutes at the four between the two. Uh, if you're looking talking about probable starters in this game for the Magic, Markel Fultz is probably your point guard, by the way. He's been shooting the basketball a little bit better, only making 0.5 three-point attempts per game. When he shoots it, I think he's shooting at a 36% clip or so right now. But he's the point guard on the ball, defensively nice long arms, can get some steals and things like that. Gary Harris, most Grizzly fans will remember from his Nuggets days, him being a solid on-the-ball defender, capable of knocking down some shots as well. But 
everything around Orlando right now revolves about Wagner and Paulo as the three and the four. If you're just going by matchups, you will put Dylan Brooks on Franz Wagner and then Jaron Jackson Jr. gets Paulo Bancaro. But here's the thing about that. Here's, here's where the question comes into play. Uh, Paulo Bancaro is physical. He's 6'9". He's 250 plus pounds. And he attacks, right? So if you look at just the, just the numbers with Paulo Bancaro on this season, he's getting to the free throw line at eight attempts per game. He's six, he makes six free throw attempts per game, and he gets averages 7.9 free throw attempts. So I, for me, the elite category for free throw attempts per game is eight free throw attempts. And he's right there. He shoots it at a 75% clip. But the point here is if you're just going by traditional matchups, uh, Bancaro will be matched up against Jaron Jackson Jr. But do you want that matchup because of the potential? You know, he's going to challenge him. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get his blocks, but there may be some fouls that come and come with that as well. So uh, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how Taylor Jenkins goes with this because uh, I don't know. But if it was me, I do think, you know, you put Jaron on Paolo Bancaro. You put Dylan Brooks on Franz Wagner, who's the more efficient option. So you kind of, you know, decrease his efficiency a bit. And you take what Paolo gives as well. But overall, this is a very game, very winnable game for the Grizzlies. Uh, this is a good chance for Memphis to get back to 10 and 10 uh, and five with a 500 record on the road, right? I remember last season, Grizzlies were 26 and 15 on the road. It was a big reason why uh, they had a 56 and 26 record in the number two seed in the Western Conference because they were great on the road. If you look at all the other top tier teams in the Western Conference right now, among the top five seeds, the Grizzlies have the worst win percentage on the road. If the Grizzlies want to become the potential number one seed in the Western Conference, that has to improve. And matchups like this one. Against a struggling Orlando Magic team that's still, you know, they're young. They've beat some really good opponents, but they're still trying to find their groove. This is a type of night where the Grizzlies can kind of fix, you know, some of those things. Thank you for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game. See, every moment across the NBA, the Western Conference, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So you have to follow game to game on Locked On NBA, and it's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. So thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies on today. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, next episode, we're going to recap what happens in this matchup against the Magic. Me and my partner, Joe Mullinex, should be back together. So thank you for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies, and I'll see you next time on Locked on Grizzlies.